Okay, wow, we are getting into our series. This month, we are celebrating the, the whole of July, 60 years as Hamilton Elam Church in Hamilton, an Elam Church for 60 years, and we're celebrating 60 years. And so this message I'm going to share, it's going to be slightly different. We're going to go on a history journey today. And, uh, and along the way, you can, we can find out what, is this, what does Elam actually mean? Have you ever wondered where this word Elam came from? I remember coming along thinking, how do you even say this name? Is it Alam? Uh, is Alm? And how do we, how do we say this? And, uh, and, and uh, is it Aileen? And, uh, but anyway, here we go, 60 years. Did you know that me and Poro, we first arrived with our family, I mean, this, this little family that came from, came from Mangere, we traveled all the way here, and this was the first church that welcomed us in, they really did. And um, that was way back in 2004, in March 2004, back then. And so we only had, back then, just a little family of five, but since being in this church for 17 years, we now have seven children and four grandkids. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's what I thought was amazing anyway. And so, um, so here we go. We come in 2004. So we've been part of this church for 17 years. 17 years. So we've loved every moment of it. Um, in 2005, end of 2005, we got married in this church. Pastor Bob Lawson married us in this church back in 2005. 2006, uh, we get a knock on the door, and it's Pastor Bob Lawson, and he asked us if we would like to become interns. And at that time, I'm thinking to myself, an intern? How, how much do interns get paid? And that's when he said, no, 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 you become a student. So I realized, wait a minute, you're asking me to give up my job to become a student, go to Bible college and become a student. And at that time, we had five kids, and I was like, we felt like that's exactly what God wanted us to do, and we did that. So 2006, gave up my job, became a student, went to Bible college, and a year later, a year later, um, in 2007, we became youth pastors. And what's really interesting is that we became youth pastors because the then youth pastor had resigned. 2011 comes rolls around and this, the assistant pastor resigned, so we became the assistant pastor because the assistant pastor resigned. And in 2016, the senior pastor resigned and we became the senior pastor. So someone asked, asked me, so how do you become a senior pastor? And I said, easy, don't give up. And I uh, keep going. But we, we call ourselves the accidental pastor because we accidentally became pastors. And I jokingly say that. But you know what, God, when God places you somewhere, it's not an accident. And he takes you on a journey. And we love every part of it. And we have learned so, many, so much from many of the people within this church. And, uh, and we stand on their shoulders. We couldn't be here without the support we have of this amazing church. That was way back then. But where did Elam start? To understand where Elam started, we're going to go way back. Way back in time before anyone was born in this room. We're going back to 1922. Almost 100 years ago. This is when this movement was born. So 1922, the Pentecost, this church is a Pentecostal church. And back in 1922, the Pentecostal church, it came out of the, what's known as the Welsh Revival from, from 1904. The Welsh, there was a revival in Wales in 1904, and, that, and because of that revival, it spread across the globe, and it spread to New Zealand. And in New Zealand, there was pockets of small groups, Pentecostal small groups, like home groups, all over New Zealand, but it's fragmented. It was fragment. It was a result of this Welsh revival. In 1922, I've got the clicker. I'm gonna... 1922, this man arrived in New Zealand all the way from England. Does anybody recognize this guy? His name is Smith Wigglesworth. He was the world-renowned British evangelist. He arrives renowned. Renowned, renowned. 
potato, potato. So he, he, he arrives in New Zealand and he begins, and a revival breaks out in New Zealand, okay? So, in fact, his first meeting, they had to turn away 3,000 people in his first meeting. And so this is what the meet. this is 1922. People coming and people were getting saved left, right, and and center. And, and, and the person who, was in cha- who, who had to organize this meeting, his name was Henry Roberts. Everyone say Henry Roberts. Henry Roberts. Reason why I want you to say that is re- repeat after me so you can remind me if I forget his name. What's his name again? Henry Roberts. Henry Roberts. He organizes. Now, at the end of Smith Wigglesworth tour of New Zealand, where thousands of New Zealanders come to know Jesus as their Lord and say this revival sweeps through the, through the land. He ordains Henry Roberts, he's the only one ordained, and he becomes the first ordained Pentecostal minister, Henry Roberts. And a year later, 1923, Henry Roberts plants the the first Pentecostal, official Pentecostal church in Wellington City. So here it is, the first ever Pentecostal church. And and, and, uh, at the back, we've got a picture of Smith Wigglesworth, and that's uh, Henry Roberts. Obviously, they like having their photos up. And so this is, um, that's their social media back then. This is the first church, the first Pentecostal church in New Zealand in Wellington. And around the same time, other churches were starting to be planted because of this this, um, revival meetings of Smith Wigglesworth. So under the leadership of Henry Williams, under his leadership, he unites all these Pentecostal churches under, and they become one movement, and they're called the Pentecostal Churches of New Zealand Movement, or the PCNZ. Pentecostal Churches of New Zealand movement is born in 1924. And so that is the birth of this movement, was 1924. Henry Roberts plants the first church and then unites all the other churches and makes one. And under his leadership, and this is the founding fathers, here he is, and this guy here, this is later on, this is, this is probably being the 1950s now, this is Henry Roberts, and these are his sons. There are his sons, right? And they, they are the... They're the founding fathers. In fact, his son, Henry Roberts, Harry Roberts, anyway, Roberts, <laughs> Jr., Henry Roberts, also known as Harry, and Henry Roberts, his son, Henry Jr., he becomes the first general secretary of this movement, right? And all the other sons are leaders within this movement of the Pentecostal Church in New Zealand. You know what's also really interesting? Henry Roberts was one of the very first All Blacks that's right. He's all black number 10. He's the first, one of the first ever, well, he's one of the, he was one of the, the, he was the, one of the first ever all blacks of all time, is Henry Roberts. Not only that, but his son, Edward Roberts, would become an all, all black in 2013. They become the first father and son all blacks of all time. His other sons represent Wellington and rugby. There was one black sheep in the family, he was a cyclist. Rugby players, cyclists. Okay, anyway. So here we have, so here we have it. And this is one of the photos, and this is uh, Edward Roberts right here and the All Blacks team. I knew why God led me to this movement, because it was founded by the All Blacks. Anyway, it's not like the beautiful sport of football. Anyway, here we go. Here we go. Let's get back to the Founding Fathers. Okay, so the Founding Fathers. And, and so, get my notes out so we can move along through here. But, so here we have it. So, 1924, the PCNZ is born. Then, 
in, scroll down, in 1927, seven churches leave the PCNZ and they form the AOG movement of New Zealand. AOG movement is born. You know, the gateway down in town? That's, that, that's the movement they came out of, Assemblies of God. They, the Assemblies of God come out of this movement. 1934, the Newtown branch in Wellington, they leave and they form the first apostolic church of New Zealand. You know, um, are you guys familiar with Activate Church? That movement came out of here. And out of that apostolic movement came the destiny movement. And the rest is destiny. 1946, another group leave. The New Life Movement is born. The New Life. So here we have these kind of like, so when we look at all the main Pentecostal churches of New Zealand, we all come from the same line. They're kind of like our, our cousin, our cousin um, movements. But they came from one place. So in 1939, the PCNZ, they approached the Elam for Gospel Alliance in the UK. They approached them about affiliating with them. But because of this big war, there's a big war around that time. You guys, you guys heard of it? It's called World War II. It breaks out. And because of that, it stops. Not until 1949, they renegotiate with, the, with, with Elam in the UK again. And then by 1953, the PCNZ changes its name to the Elam Movement of New Zealand. That's where the Elam, so it, it is birthed out of there. But, it was, but this church originally was the Pentecostal Church in New Zealand, and then it became the Elam Movement in 1953. By then, there's only two churches remaining, because all the rest had gone and planted all the movements. The very first church planted by Henry Robertson Wellington, number one, and the second and the other church is Blenheim Elam. So Wellington Elam's the first, and then Blenheim Elam. 1956, the third Elam church is open in Christchurch. 1959, the fourth Elam church is open in Nelson. And then in 1961, an historic moment in this nation, the whole world stops as the Elam church in Hamilton is born. Come on. 1961. And this is where the first Elam church in Hamilton met. Ross Trevor Street. Ross Trevor Street. Okay. This is where, so 1961, they met on the street. We, we don't really know where on the street because it was 60 years ago, uh, and, and a lot of those buildings no longer exist. Now, see this street here? It says Selkirk Street. You ever seen that street when you're driving down Ross Trevor Street? No, because they changed this name. They changed that, the street name to Anglesey Street. Anglesey. I was driving my daughter yesterday, and she was calling it Angel Street, and I was thinking Angel, but Anglesey Street. It is, that is Anglesey Street here. See this kind of white big building here? That was a state-of-the-art, brand-new Founders Theatre. Right here, Founders Theatre, right here, brand-new, state-of-the-art. And so down here is Hinamore Park, parks down here. Now, now, today, there's a little roundabout here, and they blocked off this road to annoy us. <laughs> the council's like, how can we annoy the, the, the motorists of Hamilton? Let's block off some roads, make some... One, anyway. So this was, And the first pastors of Ross Trevor Street were... Pastor Les and Nolene Board. They were the first ever Hamilton Elam pastors in 1961. In 1963, this street was becoming more and more industrial. And they're thinking, who would put a church in an industrial area? That's crazy. Which is kind of ironic where we are today. But anyway, so they decide to move. And they find a place in a brand new 
community with all new houses, a new housing development area. I don't know if you've heard of this new development area called Malville. And, they, and they, in 1963, they purchased some land, and in 1965, Les and Noel Ball lead the church into Mahoe Street in 1965. Today, that's an island AOG church, right? That's what it is said in Mahoe Street down there in Malville. They lead, they lead them to this place. In fact, in 2015, we celebrated 50 years since the move. We, we celebrated in 2015 was 50 years of Mahoe Street. Okay. Now, uh, Pastor Les and uh, Nolene, they move on, and we get a new bunch of pastors who come in in 1966. Their names are Pastor Don and Margaret Hemingway. And when we first came to the church, they, Pastor Don and Margaret were still part of this church. Pastor Don has since then been promoted to heaven. Margaret lives down in Arrowtown, so we make it, um, um, uh, uh, we try to, we, we say, you know what, we'll travel down to Arrowtown to, just to visit you, have a bit of a holiday down in Queenstown. So she's down there now, and uh, she can't come for our celebration at the end of the year, end of the month, but she has, we've got something for you from her. They, they passed it there for a few more years until uh, uh, Don has also a, a mission out. He goes off. He goes off to Samoa. He goes off to, uh, to the um, African nations. And then in 1972, we had Pastor Henry and Kath Ogier. They come and, and, they, and they take over the pastor. They become the third pastors. Until 1975, we have Pastor Lairs and Isabel Kovic. And let me tell you something. When they arrived, when they arrived to the church, they doubled the church just by bringing their families. They doubled the size of the church. But not only that, but the church explodes. It grows rapidly. In fact, they had to, they had to um, bust down a wall in Mahoe Street, and they ended up meeting at Malvern to meet it until that repairs happened, and they come back to Mahoe Street. But it still was too small. So, so Pastor Lairs and a bunch of other members, they mortgage their homes, and they buy a new building, 15 Corfi Street down there by the lake. This is the church that me and Portal first stepped in when we came here, was this building, Corfi Street. This, was, this is what we knew as Elam. We walked in through these doors, and we were welcomed by this church. And uh, Not in 1980, well, it was a few years later, 2004. And so, but you know what? Um, yesterday we honored um, Carl Dunsey. And I've got a picture of him here, Carl Dunsey, nice little photo of him, making a funny face. And yesterday, you know, this week he was, you know, Jesus gave him an offer that he couldn't refuse, and he's with them now. Yeah, Jesus said, come with me, and Carl is there. But you know, the Dunseeth were one of the families that mortgaged their homes. It's crazy. I, I, you know, today, uh, we just can't think of that. I can't even think of asking people, but they did this because they love the vision, the mission. They want to see people come to know Jesus. And they tell, they tell me that, that when they mortgage their homes, oh, that, it was a struggle, but they believe and they want to see souls saved and thousands come to know Jesus. We, the reason we are standing here today because of couples and families like Carl and Lorraine Dunseeth. We stand on their shoulders. We're here today and, and thousands come to know Jesus because of the sacrifices they made and under Pastor Lairs and Isabel Kovic's leadership. Pastor Lairs had this amazing, he had a real prophetic gift and he had a mission-hearted, he had this huge mission and out of Pastor Lairs, they, they sent out mission, um, they had uh, long-term and short-term uh, uh, mission teams around the world. But not only that, but out of his ministry, they planted six churches. Here are the churches that they planted. They planted Pairoa Elam, Tokoroa Elam, Morrinsville Elam, Chatwell Elam. Yes, that's right. There was a Chatwell Elam here in Hamilton, Cambridge Elam, and Hastings Elam. Plant, and so out of his ministry... 
And you know, uh, Pastor Les, he has this, this call for missions, and, and so he doesn't stay in one place too long. Even though he was here for 14 years, they moved on because God calls them, they keep moving, they keep going. And then Will blessed, this church was blessed by another couple, in 1989, Pastor John and Ngari Booth. Here they are, Pastor John and Ngari Booth. When, when we first come to this church, Pastor, Pastor John and Ngari, they adopted our family, and, they were, and our kids saw them as their as their um, as their grandparents, they would call uh, they would call him Papa John or Granddad Booth. What we call him, and so uh, but he's he's you know he had an offer from Jesus he couldn't refuse, and then a couple of years ago he went to be with him. Uh, Ngari Booth still comes to Younger Heart once a month. She's going to be here when we do a big celebration. We're excited for that. So John and Ngari Booth. In fact, in two weeks' time, John and Ngari's son is going to be preaching here. Daryl Booth. He's got two weeks off. He's going to be preaching on this stage. And he is now the Pukekohe Elam pastor. He's coming as part of our celebrating uh, 60 years here in Elam. So he'll be here. Looking forward to him. Then after Pastor John left, we had Pastor Martin and Wendy Baker. They came. And you know what? The church just went from strength to strength to strength. And under their ministry, again, the church exploded. And they went to multi-services. In fact, they even had like a, had a Mandarin translation going on. It was, just, it was huge. Uh, did some amazing work, Martin and Wendy Baker. Seven years, and then his ministry went for seven years, and then um, his, his associate pastor becomes a senior pastor, Pastor Rodney and Jean Francis. They lead the church for about a year. Rodney Francis has his own ministry, has, has another ministry, he goes on, continues his ministry, and then for about five months, Pastor Alex and Lisa Sneary take over the church. And um, you're probably wondering why they're dressed up like this. Well, this is them in Mongolia. They pass away for five months, then they get a call from the mission field, and they go to Mongolia, they go to Israel, they've got an amazing story. They've had guns in their faces. They've sat down with warlords. They've got an f- amazing testimony. Next week, they're preaching here at church. He's gonna, and they've just released a book, but it's called Faith, and it's got all their story, their missionary journey, their stories, and, and them being sent from Hamilton Elam to the, to the mission field. So they're going to be here, and they've got a book launch. Um, next week in the evening, but we're having a sneaky, uh, unofficial book, book launch here for us, and they're going to bring some of their books. So come on, purchase some of their books. Faith, he's coming next week. Alex, this is an old photo. They don't look like this anymore. <laughs> Alex and Lisa's theory. Oh. We've had Pastor David and Heather Ballin. They come, and they're here for two years, and then after David and Heather Ballin, we have this amazing pastors. We call them the glamorous pastors. Pastor Bob and Pastor Margaret Lawson. Uh, you know how glamorous they look? They look like that all the time. Seriously. We were at a conference. They're like the best-dressed pastors and all that. In fact, when I became the senior pastor, he bought me shirts, some button-up shirts. And he goes, look. Oh, no. I was like, what are you trying to say? Anyway. Thank you, Pastor Bob. <laughs> trying to improve my style, but anyway. Uh, and, and they are, they still are our senior. We still consider them our senior pastors. So it was, under, it was through them that um, we, we come to know Jesus. Through them, um, he knocked on our door and asked us to become interns. And through them, the rest is history. Here we are today because they saw something in us that we never saw. And uh, we're so grateful to the, And they've got an amazing, amazing ministry, healing ministry, um, prophetic ministry as well. Pastor Bob, Pastor Margaret. But they, their ministry in this church goes for 10 years. So they're the second longest serving pastors. And they're the ones who led us. They had a vision to lead us. Um, out of uh, Corfi Street, and you know how I said that we bought Corfi Street? That was owned by the Hamilton AOG Church. They sold it to us. They went on and planted their church, 
Not far from Ross Trevor Street, we know that as Gateway. And Pastor Bob had a vision again to bring the church back into a place of vision. And then he led us to this place. Here we go. Here we go. This is what, when we first came, he said, look, church, this is where we're coming. And we're like, really? We're leaving Corfi for this? Yeah, but, but here it is. And this is what it looked like when we first came. Look, there's no buildings here. No one obviously wanted to be with us. It looked like an aircraft hangar. But his vision, and he transformed it to this building. What we know now. Pastor Bob and Pastor Margaret, they continue on. They become uh, missions, uh, missions directors to the big church up in Auckland. And then we get Pastor Andrew and Julie Smith in 2012. They come along here. Amazing. And it was under their leadership that they brought Poro, my wife, as the, as the worship pastor. She, she comes on board as, as well. And it's also under their leadership that, um, anyway, that, um, I, that they brought me on as a staff member. Up until then, we were seven years just serving the church. Um, because we just love serving. And then he brought us on as staff members. We're really blessed by his ministry. Four years later, we get this other crazy couple. <laughs> so he let these guys in, right? This is the best photo I could find of us. And um, so this is us. And did you know that we are the 12th in line of senior, we're the 12th senior part, just seven. <laughs> we are the 12th. There's still, there's still 10. Anyway, we are the 12th senior pastors. No, 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 none of my illustrations are working right now. Senior pastors. And that's kind of been our history. That's where we are from 1922 to where we are here. But where does this word Elam come from? And to understand where this word Elam comes from, we've got to go back in our scriptures to Exodus. Have you got your Bibles? Turn with me to Can I hand it over to you now, Henry? Because I'm, I'm really destroying this. So uh, here we go. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 15. Okay. Exodus chapter 15, and we're going to start at verse 22. And to understand where, where we get the same, we've got to go back. And here we have, so after Moses leads the children of Israel out of bondage from Egypt, they cross through the Red Sea. And this is where we are in the story. Then Moses made Israel set up from the Red Sea. Then they came into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So you, you, if you're going through a desert, you're desperate for water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water. So when they do, do find a place, yes, there's water, desperate, they're thirsty. They can't drink it because it says, because the waters were bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. Mara means bitter. And the people grumbled against Moses. Uh, we're like, wow, people, people of faith don't grumble. Anyway, they grumble against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And so Moses, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. You know, like, Lord, we want water. You show, why are you showing me a log? And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Now, the word log in Hebrew is the word eights. Eights. And this word eights, it's the same word that we use for tree. It's the exact same word for tree. So you could actually use this word, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he throws the tree into the water, and the water becomes sweet. And in Hebrew, the, the, the verb there is the same kind of verb you use for sweetness of honey. Right? And this picture, it, it kind of like hyperlinks us back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, we've got the chaotic waters. And what subdues the chaotic waters? It's the Spirit of God. It hovers over the water. And the Spirit of God subdues the chaotic waters and brings creation 
out of the chaotic waters. So now we have this picture of this chaotic water, but instead of the spirit subduing the chaotic water, it's a tree. It's a tree. And it's hyping us linked. It's, it's pushing, it's pointing us back to, to the garden. Because we get to Genesis chapter 2, and it's another creation story. But instead of chaotic waters, it's dry land. And then God plants, what does he plant? A garden, the garden of Eden. And out of there are the streams, are rivers of water that, that, that waters the world. So, so what subdues the, the, uh, the, the wastelands is water, fresh water. So, so, so when you get fresh water out of the ground, it was, a, it was an Eden-like gift when you found fresh water, Eden-like gift, subduing the water. And in the garden was a tree of life, flowed was growing in the, in the center of the garden, the tree of life, this picture of life. And now we have Mara. Mara, and instead of, and so we've got the chaotic waters, and what subdues the chaotic waters is a tree. It's, po- it's pointing back to the tree of life. And this is, you're probably, where's this going? You know, let's keep going. And we're going to jump, jump ahead, and we're going to go down to verse 27. So now they've got sweet, now we had, they've come to Barah where, where they find bitter. And it's through the tree that, that, that subdues the chaotic waters, it produces sweetness. So out of bitterness comes sweetness. Then they come to verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the water. You can imagine what this looks like, this picture. Now they come to a true oasis in the desert, where the water is is flowing 12, not just one, but 12 springs of water. It's an eating-like gift. From God, like a picture of Eden, where, where the waters watered the world. And then you've got, 12, you've got 70 palm trees of shelter and shades. So what, are the, what do these mean? What is, 12, what is 12 symbolic of? 12 is reminiscent of the 12 sons of Israel. The 12 sons of Jacob. Remember, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. The 12 sons of Israel. The nation of, of Israel. So, so 12 is representative of the nation of Israel. So what are 70 what is 70 symbolic of? 70 is symbolic of the nations of the world. Genesis chapter 10, there's, a, there's, there's the table of nations. And it's the descendants of Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And, and there's a lineage there, and there's, and, there's, and, there's 70, and there's a list of 70 nations. So the 70 is symbolic of the 70 nations, but it's, it goes on from that. Because then we get to Genesis chapter 11, what do we find? We find this, this, the 70 nations of the world rebelling against God. They rebel against them, and they build the Tower of Babel. And then God confuses the language, and then we get to Deuteronomy chapter 32. It tells us that God disowns the nations. He disowns the 70 nations, and he puts them under the control of lesser gods. And then he takes Israel and he says, these are my own people, my own inheritance. And so now we have Elam. And Elam is a symbolic of the 70 nations and Israel coming together. But in order to get there, we had to go through bitterness. But it's through the bitterness that God will bring a tree on a hill in the shape of a cross where he gave up his life for not just your sins, my sins, for the world. And it's through this tree that the bitterness became sweetness. 
and through his death and resurrection, God once again reclaims the nations of the world. And this is the picture of Eden, the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news that Jesus was ushering in this Eden-like picture again, the Sabbath rest where the nations of the world can once again enter into God's peace. Through our bitterness, but through the tree of the cross brought sweetness. And God reclaims the nation. So whatever bitterness you may have, may you invite the tree of life, Jesus, the cross, into your situation. And when you apply the cross into your situation, you will find victory. Because he paid the price. That he died, not just died, but he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And he's seated at the right hand of God. And we're proclaiming that he will come again. And he regathers a nation. And this is what Elam symbolizes. It symbolizes the hope that is here. That we too are in this world. It's not easy. We feel like we go through there. You ever feel like you go through desert moments? Until you find an oasis. God says, but you've got to go through Mara before you get to Elam. God says, will you apply the tree of life into your situation, the cross? And through your bitterness will come sweetness. And then you can find rest within Elam. That's the picture. When we first come to this church, 2004, we're running away from God like many. You may be in this room here. Maybe you were a Christian. You were running away from God. The only reason why you're here is because someone brought you here. Portal dragged me to 15 Corfi Street. Didn't want to be there. You know why? Because I thought I wasn't good enough. I've been a Christian before, but because of my own dumb decisions, my dumb mistakes, I ran away from God. You ever run away from God before? I found myself there. And we're sitting at the back, and Pastor Bob Lawson, if you want prayer, come to the front. Portal gets out of the chair at the back and makes her way to the front. I grab her lovingly in my hands. I'm looking at her lovingly in the eyes, and I said, don't go. That's not the plan. We're not even married. How can we come to a church and we're not even married? We're not, obviously, we're not good enough for this place. Lovingly, she lets go of her hands and she leaves. I'm at the back, and I'm not very lovely. Arms folded. I'm like, how could she do that? Then God starts to speak. Because I was bitter. A bitterness in my life. I was bitter towards people, bitter to the world. And God simply says, Come as you are. And I began to have this conversation with God. I thought I was crazy. I said, God, I'm not good enough for this place. You know what I've done, you know what I'm doing now. I'm unworthy to be in this place. But God said, come as you are. And and this is what I said to God. Are you sure? Is it okay? He said, come as you are. And the tree of life came into my life. And God turned my bitterness into sweetness. And I joined my wife, my, my then partner up the front. 
And we found Elam, where there were 70 palm trees and 12 springs, where we began to be refreshed. A year later, we get married. A year later, we do this internship. Then a year later, we become partners. Here we are today. If you had told me 17 years ago that we would be senior pastors of this church, I would say, you are crazy. You're definitely on some kind of juice. I have no idea. Did you get it from a place called Mara? But this is what Elam is, and this is a fitting name for this movement. It's a place that where we, you may be on a journey. You maybe feel like you've been through the desert, but you found your place to Elam. I'm not just talking about this place. When, I'm, when I talk about Elam, I'm talking about God's rest. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Elam is the place. I'm not saying that. There's a lot of great churches in this. Honestly, we're so blessed in Hamilton with some great churches here. I'm using more Elam as symbolically. Will you... Invite the tree of life into your area, to this place of bitterness. And it's through the tree of life, you, God will bring sweetness in your area. This is the story of Elam. Come on, let us pray.